0: Hey everybody, it's Jumping Jay. And before we jump in today's episode of 80s Wrestling, a podcast, a quick note for our fans living in and around the New Jersey area, WWE legend and Hall of Famer Tito Santana will be appearing live this Saturday, April 10th, at the Wrestling Collector. From 11 to 2, Tito will be on site signing autographed photos, shirts, trading cards, And his new book, Don't Call Me Chico, will be available this Saturday, The Wrestling Collector, at 2772 State Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. To another episode of 80s Wrestling the Podcast. And we have a great one today. My name is Jumpin' Jay. And as always, I'm joined by the man of a thousand voices, Mr. Tommy Fierro.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's very fitting today, Tommy. I'm so excited. We got a good episode today.
1: Oh, yeah, man. WWE Hall of Famer. Tito Santana is going to be joining us on the show in uh, just a few minutes. And a, a fitting episode having Tito on today, Jay, because as you know, we're on the road to WrestleMania this weekend. It's both Saturday and Sunday. And what better guest to have on the show on 80s Wrestling The Podcast than the man that kicked off WrestleMania, the first ever WrestleMania match Joining us on the podcast today, WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana.
0: It's going to be an incredible conversation with an absolute legend in the business of professional wrestling. Like you said, he kicked off WrestleMania one and then he went on to appear in every WrestleMania one through nine. So you can just imagine the kind of career and legacy that a performer who appears in the first nine WrestleManias must have had. Tito is a guy who I feel, even when he was active on the WWF roster, people knew he was one of the greats. He was one of the legends. And so I can't wait to get him on the show with us today and just pick his brain about what life was like in the glory days of professional wrestling.
1: Absolutely. And that's a long run, nine WrestleManias. The ninth one was a dark match. Uh, against Papa Shango, they aired that before the show started. But uh, again, it, it's a WrestleMania appearance, so yeah, that's that's a long stretch, that many WrestleManias in a row. And I'm I'm curious to ask Tito his thoughts going into the first WrestleMania, uh, if he knew that it was going to be as big of a deal as it was, and what it was like to kick off something that uh, is a global phenomenon right now. So it'd be really interesting to talk to Tito. And uh, this Saturday, actually, we're going to have Tito Santana at our store, The Wrestling Collector. So if you're in the New Jersey area, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to come out and meet Tito. As you know, with uh, since COVID hit, there hasn't been many appearances and uh, in-store or live appearances. So it's a great opportunity. If you, if you miss interacting with The Wrestling Superstar live, you'll be able to do so at The Wrestling Collector. This Saturday, we are located at 2.0. 772 State Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Again, that's 2772 State Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. It's in northern New Jersey, about a half hour from Wayne. And uh, we're going to obviously be uh, enforcing, you know, all protocols as far as, you know, safety goes. We're probably going to allow, you know, 10 to 15 people in the store at a time to meet Tito. So you don't have to worry about... You know, there being too many people are being too crowded. We're going to take precaution on that. But, yeah, if you live in anywhere within the New Jersey area, it's a great opportunity to come out this Saturday, meet Tito. We'll be there from 11 to 2. We'll have autographed pictures available. Uh, shirts okay. will sign, trading cards, his book, Don't Call Me Chico. So it's a great opportunity to kick off your WrestleMania weekend if you live in the area by coming out and meeting Tito. So Tommy, I just have to ask: You just recently
0: opened the Wrestling Collector, the brick-and-mortar store. Is Tito your very
1: first professional wrestler doing an appearance in an autograph session at the store? He is. He is, and I so, knew going I knew going into opening the store that that would be my first appearance because you know I, I have a good relationship with him, and he he lives a half hour from my house. And uh, what better way to kick it off by having him? He's you know he lives in New Jersey. He's a legend in this area. And, uh, yeah, he'll be my first guest this weekend. And uh, I didn't want to do something prior to that, Jay, because in, in in New Jersey, the weather's crazy. So I opened March 17th, which was on St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, the weather, you know, it's still cold in that in in, the, in that time. So I didn't want to take – I wanted to have a guest for opening day, but I didn't want to take a chance of being too cold and then people had to wait outside in the cold because you can only have so many people in the store at one time. So I figured – you hit in the April. It's springtime now, so yeah, uh, you know, we have Tito this Saturday, and then we have the Rock and Roll Express and Savio Vega on uh, Saturday, April the 24th. We're gonna have Eugene there on uh, May the 14th, and Demolition Action Smash will be there on May 16th. We're adding on a bunch more too. And uh, we'll be updating the website in the upcoming days. If you go to thewrestlingcollector.com, thewrestlingcollector.com, we'll have a list of more live in-store appearances. Listen, man, I got to be honest. I'm
0: seeing a little uh, comparison here between you and, and Vinny McMahon here. You just had your Virtual Mania 1. Last episode, <laughs> you announced that you're going to have a Virtual Mania 2. Uh, Vince McMahon kicked off. Wrestlemania 1 with Tito Santana. You're kicking off autographed appearance at your store with Tito Santana. You're following the Vince McMahon blueprint, Tommy. I love it.
1: Hey, man. That's how you do it, brother. Hey, before we get Tito on uh, momentarily, I wanted to ask you real quick. We talk about it later in the episode when when Tito gets off. With Wrestlemania being this weekend, uh, both Saturday and Sunday, what are, are a couple of your favorite Wrestlemania memories and moments, Jay, growing up as a kid? Obviously, the first that probably comes to my mind, obviously, and there's a bunch, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, WrestleMania 3, Hogan retains the title, Uh, WrestleMania 4, the Macho Man capturing the WWF World Heavyweight title in the title tournament, WrestleMania 5, Hogan and and Savage, WrestleMania 6, Hogan Warrior, Uh, that's just off the top of my head, that's a couple of my favorite WrestleMania uh, memories and moments, how about you? If I had to pick like my top
0: WrestleMania moment from my childhood, it would be Hogan versus Warrior because I was such a huge Hulkamaniac that the idea of someone beating Hulk Hogan, much less beating him on the grandest stage of them all for the heavyweight championship, like I know you were pulling for the Warrior, Tommy. We've talked about that. You were excited when Warrior won, I was the complete opposite. Like, my world had been turned upside down. Left was right. Right was wrong. Like, everything was just topsy-turvy in my world. And I just think it speaks to the magic of wrestling, that it had that kind of effect, you know, where you have one kid in New Jersey running through the streets cheering that the Warrior won. You got (laughs) one kid in Minnesota crying himself to sleep. Like, I just love that wrestling was able to have that kind of impact on life. So I would say that's the moment that, like, my brain immediately goes back Because it was such a big match. It sure. seemed larger than life. And so I'll, that's one that holds uh, a very special place in my in my memories.
1: And I don't know why. I don't know why. I was a, a huge Hulkamaniac growing up. So I don't know why. I don't remember. I was just a kid. But why I got behind Warriors so much. And I, I remember I told you this story. After the Ultimate Warrior won the title, I went out and me and my friends in the neighborhood, we were dancing up and down in the street at nighttime. We were so excited that Ultimate Warrior Captured the title. I don't know why I was. I was a Hulkamaniac. Uh, I guess you know, just the Warrior captured, you know, my imagination and, and my my heart uh, at that time. I, I was totally for Warrior winning the title. The Warrior was definitely something
0: special. He came up. He came on the scene at the right time for the kind of character, the intensity, the vibrant neon colors. He was. I, I can totally understand why Vince McMahon thought that he was the one that, you know, could carry the ball for a little bit because he captured people's attention, their imagination. He was high energy. He was everything that, you know, the 80s and early 90s was all about in pop culture. So, yeah, it, it, I understand people's liking. And I was a Warrior fan, but Hogan was my number one. Warrior was my number two at that time. And so to see Hogan lose, yeah, it made an impact. But uh, that's just the magic of wrestling, man. It has the ability to, to capture you and, and play with your emotions in that special way.
1: Absolutely, man. And also, I mentioned in earlier episodes of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, one of my fondest WrestleMania memories is WrestleMania two, where the British Bulldogs captured the team titles against Brutus Beefcake, Rick Valentine. I remember crying as a kid, watching it on closed circuit television. I was so happy. It was at William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey. I was just so ecstatic that the Bulldogs won the tag titles. Uh, that's definitely one of my fondest WrestleMania memories as well. And, uh, and, and I mentioned this on a previous episode as well. Uh, probably, you know, my greatest WrestleMania memory is actually being a part of WrestleMania. I was in WrestleMania 15 dressed as one of the police officers that arrested the big show. So I, I guess that's probably my all-time favorite WrestleMania memory.
0: You know, you told that story a few weeks ago on the show, and I could not believe it because I did not know that. About you, uh, and I've thought about it a few times since because I love that you shared that you told the driver, "Hey, hey, hey shut that door!" Like 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 you said, like the driver <laughs> wouldn't shut his own door, but just so you could have a line, a uh, verbal line on the WrestleMania show, you have a WrestleMania moment,
1: Tommy. That's unbelievable. I'm so I'm so excited for you. It's it's funny, dude. All all the all the independent guys that were doing the skit with me at WrestleMania, uh, 15, all the afternoon they were ribbing me and 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 i i i totally fell hook line and sinker for it that we were gonna you know arrest the big show uh at in the ring and i was gonna get <laughs> i was gonna get joke slammed by the big show and dude i was shit in my pants <laughs> because i don't know how to i don't know how to bump you know like i don't want to look like i don't want to make him or me or the world look like shit on wrestlemania live on pay-per-view uh I mean, I, after a while, I, I catch on that and they were just ripping me, but it was a little nerve-wracking. But it was a little disappointing because I really did think, and I think there might have been at one point we were supposed to go ringside and arrest sure. him. It got switched last second to, to a backstage vignette, so it kind of stunk that uh, we didn't, you weren't out there in front of the live crowd for that 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 rush. But it was still awesome to look back and say I was part of it, you know.
0: They probably caught wind that you were playing the no sell, the choke slam, and yeah. you know, try to get it, try to get a, a run with the big show there.
1: <laughs> That's funny, man.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, a man that needs no further introduction, the WWE legend and Hall of Famer, Mister Tito Santana. Tito, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Good morning, Tito. How are you?
2: Good, good. Is Tommy?
1: Yes, sir. All right. So, Tito, I was just telling the fans uh, before you came on that you're going to be appearing at the Wrestling Collector this Saturday in Stockholm, New Jersey from 11 to 2. It's a great opportunity for fans that haven't had the opportunity to go out and and, and mingle and interact with superstars live over the last year with the pandemic and uh, and, and a chance to get an autographed copy of your book, an 8x10 photo, shirts, trading cards, et cetera. Now I, I know you haven't done many appearances live over the last year. How's it for you, Tito? Is someone that that does a lot of these appearances that that gets these opportunities to to see fans again after such a long time.
2: Well, I I, I think uh, myself included and in, in all the other wrestlers, you know, we miss the the interaction with the fans because uh, it's the fans uh, who made us. Uh, and we know how much the fans like to see us in person, and, and how they support uh, any appearances that uh, the wrestlers make. Uh, so you know, we we need we need to, to interact with the, fr- the fans, you know, because uh, it's always a great to hear you know stories that the fans remember about you. You know, uh, most of the fans know more about me than I do. <laughs> uh, and and you miss that, you know, you miss the interaction and you miss the the, the smiles that you bring to to the fans. And you know, like you said, uh, I'm one of the few wrestlers who probably is not doing that many appearances. Uh, I, I I don't fly anywhere because of the virus, but uh, I know that I've done uh, a couple with you in the last year, uh, Tommy. But you know, you're a special guy, and we got a brand new store and. Uh, it, this is an opportunity for uh, me to meet uh, uh, a lot of the fans that, that I've missed, and, and uh, for them to come see your new store.
1: Absolutely, Tito, and, and I appreciate you, you coming. And, and And the phone's been ringing off the hook all week asking about us. So I think it's going to be a really good appearance. Again, it's going to be this Saturday, uh, April oh, April tenth, WrestleMania Saturday, from eleven a.m. to two p.m. Tito will be there signing copies of his book. Don't call me Chico. Have autographed pictures and T-shirts, etc., for sale as well. Tito, with WrestleMania being this weekend, I figured it'd be nice to have you on and talk some of your WrestleMania memories. We were just talking about how you kicked off WrestleMania, the first guy ever to compete in a WrestleMania match. Going into the first ever WrestleMania in 1985, Tito, did you have an idea that it would turn into the global phenomenon? that it did that's part of the question. And second, what were your thoughts behind uh them putting together this first WrestleMania? Obviously it was a huge gamble by Vince McMahon. Uh so what was your thoughts on that? Did you think it was gonna succeed? Did you think it would become the global phenomenon that it did? And what are your uh memories of being the first guy out there for the first ever WrestleMania?
2: Well uh There's a lot of questions there, but, you know, the first uh, WrestleMania, we were all looking forward to to being part of uh, WrestleMania 1. We knew that there was a change that was coming in our business. We had no idea how big it was going to grow, which ended up growing quite a bit, you know, and uh, it's still doing fantastic. Unfortunately, you can have the fans that, that you did, uh, in, you know, in the past. Hopefully next year it'll be back to normal. Uh, me being on uh, WrestleMania 1, well, it, everybody knows that, well, most of the fans know that uh, Hulk Hogan and myself are the only ones who ha- who were on WrestleMania 1 through 9. Uh, so that was a, a seat in, in itself that I'm really proud of. Uh my thoughts about being the first match in WrestleMania at the moment. uh, I wasn't very happy because we, me and Greg the hammer Valentine had the hottest feud in the WWF at the time. We were selling out big arenas without Hulk Hogan being on the card, which hadn't been done. Uh, And then to come up and and find out that I'm on uh, the opening match uh, on WrestleMania one uh, didn't make me too happy but then I got involved in Valentine's match, which put a little bit more fire into our angle. Uh, we wrestled against each other for about a year and a half. Uh, so, you know, it all ended up being uh, positive. Before I went through the through the curtains for, for the match, mm-hmm. Vince uh, McMahon came up to me and he says, uh, the reason uh, you are on the first because Uh, you're the one that can get uh, the people off their butts and uh, we want to set a a good tempo for our match and, you know, it gave me a different perspective, you know I I, I was completely down and then when he came up and told me that you know, uh, it it gave me a different perspective of uh, you know, how the company valued me and I was always a company guy you know, I did whatever the company asked of me
1: yeah, I, I I thought that right away because uh, you and Valentine had been feuding for a while. At that point, it would have been awesome to to have that blow off match with you and Valentine in a steel cage at the first WrestleMania. But I I totally understand why they did that. You were one of the top baby faces in the company at that time, and what better way to get the crowd going than by having Tito Santana open up WrestleMania? So, I mean, once he told you that, did you feel differently about your your place on on the on the card? Oh yeah, it it, it
2: totally it told, totally changed my attitude going into going into the match. You know, uh, I said, you know, uh, I have a job. I want to go out there and, and do it, and, and I believe that the, that we got it done. Uh, and now years later, uh, to find out how important being the first match in WrestleMania one uh, is. You know, it, it, it continues to uh, to really be a positive thing for me to have been the you know the the, the number one match uh, WrestleMania one. What
1: I don't even know what number
2: we're at now. Thirty seven. Thirty seven years later, uh, you know, people still bring up uh, I was the first match in WrestleMania one.
0: Say, Tito, this is uh, co-host Jay, and I have I have a follow up question. Uh, You mentioned that Vince McMahon put you on first because of your work rate and because he wanted a high-quality match and he trusted you. Even as a kid, when I was watching the product, you were a performer that seemed to do what you guys do in the ring with such ease. You always made it look good. You seemed to have a better work rate than some of your opponents, and you, as a fan, I could even pick up on that. So I'm wondering, when you first got into the business, did it come pretty natural to you to, to pick up the moves and the athleticism? Because you come across as one of those guys that was just born to do wrestling. Was it easy for you initially, or, or did it take some work? No,
2: it, it took a lot of work. You know, and it took a lot of help, uh, and it took a lot of watching matches and studying other wrestlers. Uh, I didn't know anything about wrestling. I wasn't a wrestling fan. Kelly uh, uh, Blanchard is, you know, we were playing football together at West Texas State. His, his father was a promoter in San Antonio, and uh, that's when they planted the seed for me to become a professional wrestler. And you know, I thought I was a football player at the time. Uh, I, I played for the Chiefs for uh, a little bit, uh, and I found out how tough it was to, to make the NFL and, and, and to play in the NFL, and, uh, you know, it was a tough gig. And, and uh, I ended up going to Canada and played for the BC Lions one year. And I, I told Tully after Kansas City, I said, I want to play one more year of football, and then I want to – I thought I was going to initially uh, just start uh, uh, doing it in the off season and continue to play football. Uh, in Canada, because I enjoyed playing for the BC Lions, but uh, once I started wrestling, uh, and I started training with Hiro Matsuda, and and Barry Orton was also breaking in, and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton and his father both helped uh, come train me and Barry, Uh, so I know the whole Orton family, all the generations, and uh, it was very difficult for me. Uh, I, 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 I was to death of the bumps that that I uh, was taken, and uh, you know, it it just took me a long time, and and uh, it took me a lot of uh, a lot of wrestlers that uh, saw the kind of attitude that I had that that I wanted to learn. I wasn't uh, all cut up on on Tito Santana. being a football player. I I wanted to learn my new trade, and I put a lot of effort, and it did not come easy. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: Well, your hard work paid off because people, even to this day, talk about how amazing of a performer you were. Um, so after WrestleMania the next year, WWF tried something a little different. They broadcast WrestleMania II from three different venues. You had a match from the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena where you actually teamed up with Junkyard Dog in a tag team match. Can you tell us anything you remember about that tag team match with JYD?
2: Well, I mean, uh JYD was another spectacle in our business. I mean, he was over as is over is the the fans loved him uh and you know, of course I was one of the favorites in, in in LA with all the Hispanics in that area. Uh and working against Terry Funk and Dory Funk, you know, uh two guys that were amazing that had a lot to do with me, uh, in the business, uh, Terry Funk, as a matter of fact, uh, is probably the reason that I stayed in the business because I was about, uh, when I was training, I was about ready to give it up and, you know, came in to wrestle, uh, against Dusty Rhodes in Tampa and I was uh, training in Tampa and, uh, he talked to Eddie Graham, uh, and before I wasn't getting booked at the time, I was just working out and working out and working out and, before you know it, I started getting uh, a few bookings, and uh, because of Terry, you know, Terry also went to West Texas State. Uh, he's uh, ten years older than I am, but uh, he also played football. So I had met him because he would come to to our football practices. So uh, it was, you know, it, it was a dream come true to wrestle against the Funk Brothers in in, in L.A. And, and with J.Y.D. as my partner.
1: Absolutely, and, and the following year is the big one, Tito, and I want to get your thoughts on this. WrestleMania three, over 93,000 people, and you're a part of this, obviously, in a, a, a big way, in a six-man tag team match, one of the featured matches on the show, teaming with the British Bulldogs against the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis. Obviously, you never wrestled in front of that many people before. What was it like uh, to be a part of WrestleMania three and being in front of that many people.
2: Well, it, it, it was amazing, you know, because, you know, the, the, the arena, the stadium was, uh, as a matter of fact, I was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and there was a brand new stadium. We were the first uh, preseason game uh, in, in Detroit, I guess the Detroit Lions. And, and, you know, uh, to go back as a professional wrestler uh was something but I uh during the day before the ma- the people started coming in uh we were doing interviews and we were getting all set up I went to the very top of the stadium and and the ring looked so small uh and back then you didn't have the big screens where they could watch the the matches so the people just went just to be part of it you know it, it was a, it was an amazing feeling when you stepped into the ring and, and you looked around and you saw all those people there, uh, without a doubt, it it was a, an indoor record.
1: Now, at, at this point, Tito, obviously, you're in the, the boom period for WWF at the time, 1987. You know, you're you're everywhere. You're you cartoons, action figures, T-shirts, posters, you, you name it. They were doing it, and you were uh, obviously a big part of it. Uh, From 1985, from the first WrestleMania to 1987, the the third WrestleMania, that two-year span, did did you think that in 1985, that two years later, that the the WrestleMania and the product would get that big?
2: Uh, uh, I I never thought that uh, it was going to go big. Uh, We weren't thinking worldly at the time, you know. we ended up wrestling all over Europe, all over Asia, all over, uh, you know, the Middle East. I mean, yeah, no, I, I don't think anybody thought, you know, we, we were going to get that big, but, uh, you know, Vince McMahon knew where he was going and, and probably some of the guys that were working in the office, but, uh, you know, it was something else, you know, and, and we're also, um, uh, working like dogs, you know, we, Wrestled 350 days a year. You know it was tough. It, it was tough in family life, and it was it was a hard fight.
0: It was shortly after WrestleMania three, Tito, that you ended up forming an iconic tag team uh, known as Strike Force, and you guys went on a title run. You defeated the Hart Foundation for the championships, and then at WrestleMania four you challenge, or Demolition rather, challenged you guys for the tag titles. You guys had a tremendous run as a tag team, you and Rick Martell, and Demolition was a hot team at the time. What was the tag team scene like around that WrestleMania four-time, and how did you feel about being paired up uh, with Rick Martell as a tag team?
2: Rick and I had teamed up when we were in the AWA before, so, you know, we really jailed together then uh, when we had a little uh, feud with the, with the high flyers as, as a babyface uh, match. So, you know, uh, Rick was as good as they come also as a babyface uh, wrestler. So I, I knew that there's no doubt we were going to be successful, and we got over like a million dollars. When we came up to that match, when we dropped the belts, uh, I, I had no idea until we got there, that Rick uh, had a family problem. Uh, uh, I think uh, somebody in his family was ill, and he decided to take some time off, uh, and that's why we ended up dropping the belts. Uh, So uh, I think if if that hadn't happened, I think we we would have had a much longer run as as the champions because we did get over like a million dollars. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, things happen in life, and, you know, his family was important, and I I could understand. I was disappointed, but, uh, you know, I accepted it.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I believe it was his wife who maybe had an illness at the time that he needed to take a leave for. But you were right. You guys got over like a million dollars. You guys were a tremendous team. You had great chemistry in the ring, and you were able to work all sorts of matches with all sorts of different opponents whether it's and- big powerhouses like demolition or other people that might be able to match your guys's speed and quickness and at Wrestlemania 5 you guys took on the brain busters Arne Anderson and Tully Blanchard who I would argue didn't have a long enough run in the World Wrestling Federation they were probably better known as WCW guys, but when they were in the world wrestling federation, you had a chance to work with them at WrestleMania five, any memories of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard or that match specifically at WrestleMania five?
2: Well, I I, I just, I I think it's the first time that I had really wrestled uh, with either one in the ring. And, and uh, you know, Tully Blanchard came from a wrestling family, so you know, anytime I wrestled with guys that the parent, the father was was a wrestler, it's just amazing how good they were, you know, how how uh, how they grasped the business, how they understood. Guy neither was Arn, but I mean, Tully was was uh, he was a master in the ring, you know, uh, he 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 was fantastic, and, and you know. Uh, I really enjoyed working with those guys uh, in the ring. You know, it, it was an unbelievable experience to, to know that, you know, I really didn't have a lot of respect for Tully uh, because I had never wrestled against him. Uh, but when after the match was over and, and and I realized how knowledgeable he was, you know, what a master he was in the ring, uh, I had a completely different outlook about uh, both of them, Tully and Arn.
1: Absolutely. And, and I want to make mention, Jay, it, it, not only were they had great chemistry, they got over like a million bucks, they had a super catchy and super cool theme song that I still sing to this day sometimes.
0: Is, is this one of those songs you're going to sing right now? Is that this time of day? No,
1: when, when, when Tito's off the air, I'll, I'll sing it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I I, I would sing it, but uh, nobody wants to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe if you come to the Wrestling Collector this Saturday, Tito will sing it live for you. <laughs> Next up is WrestleMania Six, and and Tito is taking on the Barbarian. Uh, they're trying to you know push Barbarian and Warlord separately at at this point. Uh, thoughts on that match, Tito, and also I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, the main event, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Was you surprised that uh, WWF went with the Ultimate Warrior uh, over Hogan here? And, and, and your thoughts on your match with the Barbarian for this big WrestleMania?
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to uh, talk Hulk and, and the Warrior. You know, the Hulk had been a, a champion for many, many years in the WWF already. And the Ultimate Warrior... He was the intercontinental champion at the time, I believe. And and he was uh, selling more T-shirts and, and, and doing more merchandise than Hulk was. I mean, he got over, I mean, like a million dollars. Uh, the guy didn't know how to work a lick, but, you know, he had a great body and, you know, a lot of energy, and, and the people really got behind him. But, you know, it, it 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 was never all about the wrestler. It was all about, you know, how Vince promoted the guys. You know, Vince got Hulk over oh, Hulk Hogan over like a million dollars. He got the ultimate warrior. Uh, I got over because of Vince. You know, whenever he gave you wins on TV, you got over. If you got beat on TV, uh, you're not going to get over. So Vince was in control of uh, of the whole situation for all of us, not, not only myself, maybe uh, babyfaces or heels. Uh, as far as my match with the Barbarian, you know, I, I ended up working with a barbarian and later on with a warlord, uh, big guys that you know were were not very experienced in the ring, and they uh, they they you know they learned a lot. Uh, they, they they put them with me for quite a while, you know, and and, and I taught them you know how to work because you were right, I I could work with little uh, smaller guys or, or the big guys, uh, you know a big guy as powerful as a barbarian was, this is something that happened in the ring. Uh, by that time, you know, I, I had more experience than them, so I, I was calling the match and, and uh, I, uh, I grabbed, I reversed a hole in barbarian and I said, barbarian, I said, uh, reach and grab the rope. And barbarian tells me in the ring, he says, oh no, Tito, that's chicken. <laughs> you know, and that. When we went back in the dressing room, I said, barbarian, that's the whole thing. A big, powerful guy like you that has the ropes to break uh, the the hole makes you, uh, really gets you heat. And he still laughs about it, you know. Whenever he sees me, he'll say, oh, no, uh, Tito, that's chicken. <laughs> but he learned about that. You know, a, a big guy who... who, who uh, who broke the rules in the ring got heaped. You know, Ted DiBiase was was a master. You know, he he would uh, do things, but he would do things uh, uh, like that, and he would do things that the, where the referee wouldn't see him. You know, it, 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 it's an art to be heel. You know, and, and, and some of those guys, you know, it took him a while to get it, but you know, both the barbarian and, and the warlord turned out to be pretty damn, damn good heels.
0: So, Kato, you just talked about the art of being a good heel, and you are right on the money about that. You're one of these guys, kind of like a a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who is a perennial babyface. You seem to always be the good guy in these matchups. Did you ever think about doing some kind of heel turn with your time in the WWF, or were you happy to be the babyface for your entire run? no
2: i I wanted to have a – I uh i thought he'd turned heel I'd have a little run you know, i I saw some baby faces who, who turned heel who who handled the you know the, the transition pretty good and I figured that i was i had a better grasp of of, 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 of working in the ring than the guys that were able to trans to make the transition but Marcelle and I uh split up before Rick came back uh i i asked vince vince can can, can I be the heel 'cause I, I I kinda wanted to be the heel and he says, No, we still got we're not done with you as a baby face. Uh but, you know, Rick Martel, uh like Rick Martel was not the greatest interviewer uh, in the world. He was a great worker, but he, you know, I, I guess being French uh, a French speaker, you know, his interviews were not that crisp. But when he came back as a model, I mean, he, he had it all together. I mean he, his interviews and His character as the model was, was unbelievable. So I figured out, you know, they kept me in the dark. I figured out, man, you know, Rick has been uh, prepping for this, for this role, you know, uh, and he came in and and he was perfect. So, you know, uh, I'm a little bitter about not being able to ever be a heel.
0: Sure. You, I have no doubt that you could have handled that transition and you could have had a nice run as a heel Now, going into the next WrestleMania, WrestleMania 7, there's a guy, the Mountie, who they're trying hard to get over as a big heel. But if you watch that match back, you're the one getting a lot of the reactions from the crowd. The crowd is clearly still behind Tito Santana at WrestleMania 7. And then Mountie hits you with that shock stick to get the win. From a fan's perspective, I didn't know if that shock stick was real, if it was gimmicked, can you can you provide some insight for me? Uh, how was that shock stick that the Mountie used on you? Did it really elicit a shock? <laughs> no.
2: No, that, that shock stick was, was just a gimmick, you know. Okay. Uh, it, you know, like in, in in the business, you know, they always said a punch is only as good as the heel sells it. Uh, or a punch is only as good as the baby face sells the, the heels punch. Uh, the shock stick is only as good as a, yeah. the. The thing is, you have to convince the fans, you know, that the punch was real or that the stick was real. Uh, so it, it it wasn't work. I, I do believe that they pushed the Mountie hard, but I don't think that he ever really really got over with the amount of push that he that he that he got. You know. But that, you know, not everybody got over it. A lot of times it wasn't their fault. It was somebody else that was over quite a bit more in, in the territory at the time. That it was getting all the all, all the reaction from the fans.
1: Absolutely. And talk about getting over the following years of WrestleMania. Uh, someone got over probably more than anyone initially uh, thought. Uh, you, you're wrestling against Shawn Michaels, who recently, you know, went singles and, and had sensational sherry in his corner obviously going into it you know sean's a very talented performer did you ever envision him becoming one of the greatest performers in the history of wrestling did you ever think that he would get as big as he got and your thoughts on your match with him at wrestlemania eight
2: i never thought he was going to get as big as he was i knew that he was a great worker uh but uh, he did get over. I mean, he he got over like a, like a million dollars. Uh, his interviews became fantastic. His character. I mean, he played the role. Uh, he ended up uh, to me uh, getting more out of out of him than 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 anybody would have ever thought. Uh, as far as his work, I mean. He was as good as any in the ring. You know, he was a fantastic worker. He was in the same category uh, I put him with uh, Mr. Perfect. I mean, those two guys were great heels to work with uh, night off. And, you know, they give and they take, you know. Uh, It was uh, was a good experience. I I just wish we would have had more time in that match because I would have enjoyed going a little longer with him.
0: And then for your final WrestleMania appearance, Tito, WrestleMania 9, you have a dark match against Papa Shango, uh, a guy who had success with WWF under, he kind of went through a bunch of character changes, um, had the most success probably under the Godfather uh, character. But at WrestleMania 9, you defeat Papa Shango in a dark match. And at this time, you're wrestling as El Matador, where they kind of rebranded you. A little bit. And I still remember the vignettes that they filmed. I still remember the WWF magazine layout of you going um, and becoming a bullfighter. Can you talk a little bit about the El Manador persona and then what you remember from your last WrestleMania appearance?
2: Well, uh, it it was ironic because the the only matches that I ever won were the, the first one and the last one. And, and I had already given my notice, so uh, Vince knew that I was leaving. Uh, so I, I was shocked when I ended up winning WrestleMania IX, uh, the match against Papa, Papa Shango. Uh, as far as on Matador, you know, uh, Vince had told me that uh, he was going to give me a new character, if I mind going to Mexico and learning how to be a bullfighter. And I said yes, and I went to Mexico, and I learned the gimmick, and I learned, you know, all the moves. Uh and the the vignettes came out. I was supposed to come out with a big angle against the Million Dollar Man, which never happened. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, I think they showed some some of the interviews uh, of DiBiase. I don't remember it. You know, it's kind of uh, it, it, it. I don't remember exactly if uh, DiBiase ever had uh, they, they ever showed his interviews, but I do remember the vignettes. And you know, I I took it serious. I I, I thought. I think at the moment, I think I've talked about this, they were thinking about putting the world title against uh, on me. They were planning on going to Mexico, South America, Central America, Mm. uh, Spain. Uh, So it would have been a great market for for a Mexican uh, to represent, you know, the world uh, WWF at the time. Uh, You know, so, you know, they gave me a big and they took it away, and that's why I decided to leave the company. And, you know, I had put a, enough years on the road, and, you know, I, I was done with the wrestling after that.
1: Tito, was that, was that just an idea brought up, or was that the working plan that you were going to become the world champion? Because if it was, that would have been very disappointing for you.
2: Well, I, I I never found out. Uh, uh, I just know that when I defeated the the Undertaker in Barcelona, Spain, the building was completely sold out. Hmm. In Spain, I think it was in either '91 or '92. Uh, and being in the business, I knew that for me to get a win over the Undertaker, uh, they you know the plans were 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 moving towards that. I kind of had a feeling. Uh, they never told me that. When they put the belt on 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 uh, Bret Hart, uh, Fred Patterson came out and said, "You know, Tito, we, you know, they were in a meeting. They finally came out. Uh, he said it was between you and Bret Hart, uh, who was going to get the belt." Well, uh, I, I knew it was BS. It was work. Then uh, uh, DiBiase came and told me, "Yeah, uh, Pat told me that it was between me and uh, Bret Hart. That's what Fred says." So there was several other guys that, that came and told. You know, they the BS, you know, uh but you know, it's a business. You know, they, they chose not to go into uh, the Hispanic territory, the uh those Hispanic fans and then you know they went with uh Bret Hart. Heart. Now you
1: you would you would leave the company company shortly after that. You would return at WrestleMania twenty as you're inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. What are your memories, Tito, of, of getting inducted into the Hall of Fame? And, and what did it mean to you after, you know, being gone for so long and coming back and, and getting that honor?
2: Well, it, it, it was a big honor. When 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 uh, uh, Finkel called me up uh, to tell me that they're going to induct me to the Hall of Fame, uh, it really didn't mean anything to me at the time because I, I had not been following uh, the business. And I had not realized how much it had grown. Uh, and when they told me that uh, uh, I could fly, my, they flew my family, they think this happened to limos. Uh, it, it did not hit me until I got there and got out of the limo and, and saw fans from all over the world. Uh, just waiting for us. You know, I I felt like a real, real big celebrity at the time, and it kind of made me feel good uh, and coming back. uh, I'm so glad because if they hadn't offered me, you know, it it was a good payday. You know, that's the only reason I accepted it because if if they hadn't offered me a a, a good payday, I I wouldn't have even uh, accepted it. Because I went to the first uh, induction, induction in Baltimore, uh, I think Pedro was inducted into that Hall of Fame and uh, Boba Brazil and I forget who else. And it was just in a hotel, you know, hardly anybody was there. And, you know, I figured it was going to be the same thing. Uh, when I got out of the car in, in the hotel in New York, man, was I was I blown away. You know, I'm so glad that I, I, I did it.
1: That's awesome. Uh, again, I mentioned before you came on, Tito is definitely, they call Shawn Michael's Mr. WrestleMania, but uh, Tito has to be up there as well. Like like you said, him and Hulk Hogan were the only two to compete in the first nine WrestleManias. Absolute legend in this industry. And again, you have an opportunity to meet Tito if you live in the New Jersey area this Saturday, April the 10th on WrestleMania Saturday. He's going to be appearing at the Wrestling Collector located in Stockholm, New Jersey, on Route 23, he'll be appearing from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. He will have copies of his book, Don't Call Me Chico, available along with autographed pictures, T-shirts, trading cards, etc. Tito, I appreciate you coming on the show. And I know you don't do this very often, so we're very grateful that you took time out of your schedule to come on and, and, and share some of your WrestleMania, WrestleMania memories and moments with us.
2: Thank you so much, and you know uh, I'm piece. I'm a piece of, of WrestleMania. So if you want to be part of, a piece of a part of WrestleMania, come out uh, Saturday. Uh, I'll be there for a couple hours, and, and uh, we'll share some uh, some stories together. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you there, Tommy. It's been a while.
1: Absolutely, Tito. before you go, can we just get one Hariba for the listeners before you sign off? Of course, arriba. There you have it, WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana. Tito, thank you so much again. Thank you, guys. Have a good day.
2: You too. Bye.
1: And there you have it, folks. WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana. What a legend in this industry. I remember growing up as a kid, Jay, Tito was one of my all-time favorites. How about you? Like I said, he's one of those guys that even as a kid – you recognize
0: that there was something special about him. You knew he was always going to have a great match. He was always a great worker. Uh, when I was really into wrestling that I can remember, mid to late 80s, early 90s, he's kind of that mid-card guy that they're using and positioning in important spots on cards where you know they need a good performance. You know they need a solid match. So he's either opening up a big uh pay-per-view or he's right before the main event. And so he was just one of those guys that you felt even at that time that you were watching a legend. Like there was something about Tito that set him apart from the other people. It was almost like the other performers looked at him as being something special as well. So he's an amazing performer. It would have been crazy if they would have put the world title on him and went through some of the Latin, Spanish-speaking areas and really promoted hard. What a different feel that would have had at that time. Can you imagine how big the WWE would have been down in Mexico, overseas in Spain, if Tito Santana had a run with the
1: title? Absolutely. And it was interesting to hear his uh, take on that. And also, you know, he defeated The Undertaker in Barcelona. So there had to have been... uh, there had to have been some play that, you not, it wasn't to put the title on him and to give him a really big push because Undertaker obviously was was uh, starting to get red hot at that time. So, uh, yeah, man, it was really interesting. It was interesting to hear his memories of uh, the, the first nine WrestleManias. And I like his perspective of going into the first WrestleMania. Uh, he was a little disappointed because he had a long run with Greg Valentine for the Intercontinental title. Now he's opening up the show. Uh, but then Vince pulled him aside and told him why. Uh, so that's, that's a story I haven't heard before. I didn't know that either. And you,
0: you kind of forget that you think that you would just be excited to be any match on WrestleMania. But you forget, like, this is what these guys do for a living. And so if he's got a high work rate, he's in a hot feud, he, his expectation was probably that he's going to have a higher spot on the card but it makes complete sense if you're vince mcmahon and you literally put all your eggs in this basket you're betting the farm on this wrestling show that you want to open it up in a way that catches people's attention that makes it feel like a special event you want to open it up with a great performance and tito was like he said he's a company guy he's dependable he's a hard worker you knew he was going to give you everything he had, and you knew it was going to come across as a great performance. And so smart move. And I'm so happy that Vince and Tito were able to have that conversation at some point because you would hate to have to carry that thought in your head that you were unvalued when really it was the opposite. Vince valued him so much. He trusted him to open the show where Vince bet everything.
1: Absolutely. And and how about the story about him, you know, just going to the hall of fame uh, just because it was a good payday because he had bad blood with the WWE. I don't have bad blood, but hard failings uh, or been away from them for so long. And he gets out of the car and there's a sea of people. And obviously his perspective changed immediately. Um, Just just an unbelievable uh, interview. I really enjoyed hearing all his WrestleMania memories and moments and what a better way to, Than to do it on Wrestlemania week and Wrestlemania obviously is this weekend like we mentioned Tito will be appearing at my store the Wrestling Collector this Saturday 11 to 2 in Stockholm New Jersey on Route 23 and uh uh, also Jay that day I'm gonna do like a Wrestlemania themed day there uh, at the Wrestling Collector this Saturday so Tito's gonna be there signing autographs from 11 to 2. John Arezzi who played a a big part in me breaking into the wrestling business. John Arezzi was the original pro wrestling convention promoter in New York. And I used to go to John's conventions in the early 90s. And that's where I fell in love with the idea of wrestling conventions. It was like, you know, you're just a fan. You're walking in and you're seeing wrestlers all over, signing autographs, tons of tables, people selling all kinds of wrestling memorabilia. You're like a kid in a candy store on Christmas morning. So I kind of stole that idea from him as a young kid. Then I actually asked him if I can do a convention. I was 16 years old at the time. I had no inkling or idea what was going on, but I, I somehow, some way made it work. And uh, obviously, I wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't for probably going to those conventions and getting that idea initially. So John recently had a book come out called Matt Memories, and he's going to be signing copies of his book at my store, The Wrestling Collector. Uh, This Saturday as well, he'll be appearing the same time as Tito from 11 to 2. And uh, it's cool to be able to give back to John, uh, having him uh, promote his book at my store, considering what he's done for me, helping me in the past.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting John at your first uh, 80s Wrestling Con when it was in person. Um, I was able to talk to him on uh, our, our first kind of podcast that we were doing Great individual, like you said, a guy who's been involved in the world of wrestling, who got you involved in the world of wrestling on the convention side. What a treat for the fans that they're able to come out, meet people that are involved in the business. And I absolutely loved when when Tito was talking and you asked him, you know, what's it going to be like being able to see the fans again since we're kind of coming out of some of the COVID shutdown and you're going to be at my store. And he was very humble, very nice, and said, it's about the fans. I miss seeing the fans because without the fans, Tito wouldn't have been able to have the career that he had. And so I love that even now, he's a legend, he's a Hall of Famer, he's accomplished amazing things, but he's not putting himself on a pedestal saying, I'm Tito, come meet me. He's saying, I can't wait to meet you guys, the fans, to share stories with you, to talk to you. I miss seeing you. That's that's my favorite part of all this is, is as much as we appreciate them, a guy like Tito appreciates us. And I think that's fantastic.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And 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 again, uh and, and one last thing about Saturday, Jay. The cool thing is since we're doing a WrestleMania themed day, we're having Tito there. John Areszi's sending copies of his book. And we're also doing a WrestleMania uh uh cosplay, cosplay, however you pronounce it. <laughs> where you come dressed as a wrestler. Uh, and and if you were at my second 80s at Wrestling Con, they they came out in full force. We called it the Halloween Costume Contest. And people came dressed as the Million Dollar Man, came dressed as the Macho Man, Jake the Snake. Anyone that comes to the store dressed up this Saturday as a wrestler, uh, you will be entered in a contest, a drawing, to win an autograph boot by the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. So you come to the store this Saturday for WrestleMania Saturday at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. Uh, you will be entered into a drawing to win an autograph boot from the Million Dollar Man. Dude, that is
0: awesome. I love that you are doing things like that. How fun is that if you're a wrestling fan to not only go to a store like the Wrestling Collector, which is a destination, it's not just a location, Plus, you get to dress up as your favorite wrestler and be entered in to win a autographed boot from the Million Dollar Man. Are you kidding me, Tommy? That's fantastic. So my only question at this point is, will you be in costume behind the counter?
2: First of all, let's to how the other wrestling fans Thank you for coming. Come
1: Maybe I'll be dressed as the Iron Chief. Or maybe oh, man. Maybe. Luke. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, that's awesome, Tommy. <laughs> Jay, I, I want to uh, thank you, as always, for another excellent episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. I truly enjoy uh, Thursday mornings when we record. Love talking shop with you. Love talking the business with you. And it seems like the podcast just keeps getting better and better every week. Last week, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. This week, Tito Santana. Who knows who we'll have next week or what topic will be next week?
0: That's right, Tommy. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but you keep getting these amazing guests. Ted DiBiase was absolutely phenomenal last week. Tito Santana, absolutely phenomenal this week. What a treat to relive the glory days of wrestling with you and get a chance to to talk with some of absolute legends, Tommy. It, it was a great morning. Very and happy I keep, to be here. I,
1: I keep Jay in suspense, too. Like, I just texted him yesterday afternoon. I go, tomorrow's show, dot, dot, dot. Hariba! Yep, Hariba! And I knew exactly what he meant,
0: and I freaked out. Uh, and so and then, like, today when uh, um, I I go on mute and I'm calling it, Tito in and his phone's ringing and he answers it. And I hear that voice. I'm telling you, man, the nine-year-old in me was freaking out. Uh, that, you know, that I, the phone rings and Tito Santana picks up. Incredible. And then what a guest. Absolutely phenomenal. He
1: was, he was great. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, absolutely man.
0: jealous of everyone in the New Jersey area that gets to go meet that guy face to face this Saturday.
1: Absolutely. And uh, again, if you're in the New Jersey area, come out this Saturday, the wrestling collector, 11 to two Tito will be appearing Uh, 2772 State Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Until next week, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Jay, I hope you and your family have a great weekend. Hope everyone enjoys WrestleMania this Saturday and Sunday, streaming live on Peacock, which I'm sure you're going to have a lot of uh, boisterous opinions on that in the upcoming weeks. But until then, have a great time, have a great weekend, and we'll catch you here next week on 80s Wrestling. The podcast.